Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself. Learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, it's Rena Olson. Welcome to the Relevate Podcast. But her passion was reaching the least, the last, and the hopeless. Her heartbeat was wanting to make sure that everybody knew that they were seen and that they were loved unconditionally no matter what their story was. That is my friend, Kathy Simaria. She is here today to share her story and that of her beloved daughter, Christina Simaria, or Teeny as she is known. It's a hard yet hopeful story of faith, family, loss, and love, and of one fierce and determined mama whose life mission now is to ensure that her daughter's legacy shines on. Grab your tissues, friends. This is powerful and very good stuff. Kathy Simaria, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Thank you so much for having me this morning. It's a real joy to be here with you. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like I know you. I feel like I know your beautiful daughter. I've, I've read a lot. I've learned a lot. And she just seems so incredibly special and amazing. So we're here today to really celebrate her life and her legacy and your family's journey through a really, really tough time. So I thank you for being here, for being vulnerable, for being so strong and for being to share. Thank you for inviting me. Being here to share your story. So let's start uh, with you first. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Kathy. So I'm the oldest of five, so I guess I'm the bossy one. If you talk to my siblings, I was born in Arizona, and then my dad was an Air Force pilot in his first career, and so we moved around a lot. And so I was in a different school all the way until I was in 10th grade, and then landed in McLean, Virginia, which is where I graduated from high school. And then my dad got hired for, he changed his careers to journalism, and started with radio, and then became a broadcast journalist on the air with um, Walter Cronkite, and through Watergate, he covered Watergate. And And he was able to make that jump with a second career. Yeah, he went to Syracuse University and got his degree there, and... So that in itself, he started with WCBS in Washington, D.C., and then he got hired for CBS in New York City, so we moved to Connecticut. I was already in college at Virginia Tech, and, um, and then CNN started, and he got hired with CNN, and that's what brought us to Atlanta, or my dad to Atlanta wow. in 85, my dad and mom, and um, we followed uh, about 1990. Um, so I've been here 30 years, so I guess I consider myself an official Southern Belle, even yeah. though um, my roots are all over the place. And uh, married uh, my first marriage, a boy and a girl, um, Eric and Jesse. And then I had uh, just a whole bunch of 
brokenness happened and got remarried in um, 1993 and uh, married to Dave. And he's my funny Brit that keeps me on my toes all the time. (laughs) And we have two children together. We've been married 27 years. And um, that's Nick and Christina. And um, Christina is our baby. And um, Nick is 18 months older than Christina. And could not pronounce Christina, so he called her Teeny, and that stuck. Never in a million years did I think when I chose the name Christina that it would get shortened to Teeny. <laughs> the good news is her stature w- was very Teeny, and um, so she went through uh, you know phases in elementary school where because she was small, she was like, I don't want to be called Teeny anymore. I want to be called Christina. So, and we, uh, you know, through all my moves, somehow I missed the whole church thing. So didn't really grow up with a whole lot of um, background in that. My mom was very busy with five children and lots of moves. And so sure. we just never really established that in my life. And it wasn't until 2002 when a whole bunch of other brokenness happened in, in, in um, my marriage um, that God came in and just, not that he ever left me, but he just blew our lives up. In uh, We found the little tiny church Birmingham United Methodist Church in Milton, uh-huh. little chapel. And I basically said to my husband, you know, we're going there. And the, the two older, uh, the two younger kids, Nick and Christina, were only six and five, I think, at the time. And, um, and I said, oh, we're not going to make it. And we went there and fast forward, um, you know, the, the Lord just blew our lives up. It surrounded our family with mentors and mm-hmm. incredible people of faith that um, I couldn't get enough of disciple classes mm-hmm. and women's ministry was the um, co-president of the women's ministry and took this girl uh, that was very broken and just um, put us all on a very fast path. And my husband got baptized at 52 there. And I was on staff at Birmingham United Methodist Church for five years. And, and, you know, here I am, that's a lot of the story. And then, you know, fast forward to 2016. um, And uh, Christina, Teeny, um, and Nick were both at UGA. Uh, Teeny was there on a Zell Miller scholarship. And um, Nick was there on a Hope scholarship. And, um, Teeny uh, wanted to be a vet, and she loved animals. She was an avid horse rider, and um, but her passion was reaching the least, the last, and the hopeless. Her heartbeat was wanting to make sure that everybody knew that they were seen mm-hmm. and that they were loved unconditionally, no matter what their story was. And so, when did this start with her? So she, when we first started going to the church, the little mm-hmm. tiny chapel at the time, because a big church in the back wasn't built yet. She started in children's choir, and the lady that was volunteering, which was a very small choir, came up to me and said, you know, your daughter has perfect pitch. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Um, and so she started in church musicals and was always the lead because her voice, she was very gifted musically. And in sixth grade, she um, decided to go to the youth minister, and she said, I want to start a, a praise band because there was no youth praise band. And uh, mm-hmm. and He's like, okay, and the next thing, you know, we knew there were... So had she picked up guitar? So she taught herself how to play the guitar. Oh, my gosh. Um, And she just, one one week she was in her room, like, a lot, and I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm just teaching myself how to play the guitar, and I'm like, okay, who does that, right? (laughs) And uh, and a week later, she went to the, you know, uh, mentor that was mentoring them. Um, There were five of them, and... um, uh, four were girls, one on the drums, and then the three 
uh, vocalists. And Teeny just went, hey, I've learned to play the guitar. I'm ready to play the guitar now in seventh grade. And uh, so that band, they called themselves Rise. Mm -hmm. Um, They were so good. They were, you know, um, leading worship in the main sanctuary. And they stayed together all the way through college. And they um, led worship for the sunrise services out on the land. And mm. and in, in, in the midst of all of that, Teeny also was very gifted as a songwriter. And so she wrote a lot of songs, um, a lot of original songs that liked to the point where she'd come down to the kitchen, jump up on the counter with her guitar and say, I just wrote a song, you want to hear it? Um, and I'm like, you know, again, mm. who does that? Um, I would always joke with her, you know, everything you try, you're good at. Um, could you give me some of your gifts? <laughs> I mean, she was a dancer as well. She did musical theater. Um, she was the artful Dodger in Oliver um, with an incredible British accent when she was 11 <laughs> years old. And they were all like, okay, clearly she got this from her dad, you know. Um, that Milton Theater program. is Yeah, well, she wasn't at Milton Theater. She had decided when she hit high school she did not want to do musical theater. At that point, she knew that she wanted to lead other people Erlang. in worship. And so she was. She started with the FCA at Northwestern Middle School, mm-hmm. and then she continued and was a president of FCA at Milton High School. And for those don't know, that don't know what FCA is, it's Fellowship Christian Athletes, which it's not just for Christians. It's for I mean, not just for athletes. It's not just for Christians. Mm-hmm. It's for anybody to come to and um, and just you know sing worship songs and learn um, about what it means to be in community with each other, especially. Um, you know, as you're growing up, how important it is to have um, other people walking that journey with mm-hmm. you. And like I said, she would she would literally go out in the hallway and say, hey, I'm not sure what's going on with you, but can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. Will you come and join FCA? How about coming Friday morning to just be with us? Mm-hmm. And um, Fearless. Yeah, fearless, for sure. Absolutely fearless and bold with her faith. She really wanted to make sure everybody knew that they were seen and they mattered. So, and then she started a ministry in um, 10th grade with a couple other girls. They both heard the Lord say to them, I want you to start a student-led ministry. And so they called it Ignite. And there were three of them that just met together and prayed. And by the end of her senior year, they had grown out of four houses and they were in a barn with over 200 students weekly. So she trusted how, how God would take seeds and grow mm-hmm. them if you just are obedient to that calling. Yeah. And she heard that calling. So so she went to UGA, and um, she wasn't really a sorority girl, but, you know, you know, as everybody does, it's a huge, I mean, they're rushing actually right now this week, um, Greek community. Mm-hmm. And she decided, I really think she decided she would do it because she knew she could probably reach more people in the Greek community with her faith than if she went straight into a faith-based mm-hmm. community. So she found her, her, they called themselves the AKIO 15. There were 15 of them that were pledging together that became very close. And those girls, um, through everything, um, have been amazing. So her sophomore year, um, right before finals on April 27th, 2016, um, she and her um, four best friends, um, two that went to, grew up together in uh, middle school and high school, and then the other girl, Hallie, was um, at Dumwoody, but was her roommate. And also, they all were on the same hall their freshman year. And then their RA, who was getting ready to graduate, um, <clears throat> was a senior. And she had texted all the girls. And one of the bucket list items is to go to the Iron Horse, which is this big Iron Horse statuary in the middle of a sunflower field um, in Watkinsville, which is about 
20, 15 minutes, 20 minutes off campus. And she had texted the girls and said, I'm getting ready to graduate. This will probably be the last, you know, thing we can do before I graduate. Let's go to the Iron Horse um, and pray before finals. And the girls really didn't want to do it because they were like, we've got finals and we really probably shouldn't do this tonight. And the last thing that um, their REA said on the text, which um, sort of gives you chill bumps, is April 27th is going to be the most amazing night ever. Please, let's all go. And so they went, and um, there was another group of kids that were there that actually saw them, and they were praying and laughing and dancing and singing and being with each other mm-hmm. and climbing on the horse. And, uh, and that's the last place their feet were on earth. And on the way back, um, uh, the RA was driving the car, and nobody was speeding, nobody mm-hmm. was drinking nobody was doing drugs they just went to be together and pray before their finals um and she lost control of the car we'll never know what happened that night um and teeny was not seat belted in which is very unusual for her um but i'm sure that she was like i'm getting out of this car first and i'm going to be go be with jesus first So she landed in a field, um, and you know the four of them were killed, and the driver survived the accident. And um, so it's been uh, just—it's sort of—it's not sort of—you can't even really describe this imagine. journey um, of child loss. Um, the first two years are really a blur, and it's still—I'll mm-hmm. I'll probably have that grief brain until I get to go to heaven too, but. Um, it was very, very clear, um, you know, Teeny lived her life on purpose, and she left us so many gifts um, between original songs, and she had written a blog called Spark in the Dark um, a month before the accident, and she had actually sent it to me and said, she was Mom... an unbelievable writer. Yes, it's a very, very sassy, <laughs> girl. but um, unbelievable writer, funny. and um, very funny, very funny. Um and I guess she had she got that British humor from my husband. But um, she wrote this blog about it was the day after the morning after spring break, and she just writes about um, how that's the worst possible day ever, and <laughs> ever. Uh, and then writes about an encounter in a coffee shop and how these girls just loved on her, and how um, we can all be that spark in the dark, and how. It's like they smiled at her, and it completely changed Changed her her trajectory of her day. That's right. And she just writes about um, your one heart matters, and your one spark matters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's especially, you know, in the world we're living in, how quickly we get into this mindset of um, looking out of our lane and going, well, I'm not doing as well as that person's doing. And so we, we dismiss the importance of the gifting that we have, right. which we all do, yes. and how important, mm-hmm. clearly how important it is to live your life on purpose because we are not promised our breath in the next moment. Yes. And are you going to live your life on purpose because it's urgent mm-hmm. and it matters? Yes. Um, and Teeny knew that. Mm-hmm. She knew it was urgent and she knew it mattered. And so it, this Spark in the Dark blog that she wrote it was a, her celebration of life service was at the church, and um, 
we didn't have to write anything. She wrote her life. I mean, she sang her original songs, Be Still. She wrote a song called Be Still the summer before the accident at Young Life. She was a horse wrangler on summer staff at Young Life, and that's where she wrote Be Still. And then she wrote another song called Kara about a girl she never met. And um, she had heard about her, and um, she was a senior in high school at a different high school and was supposed to go to UGA, and she got a rare blood disorder and died very quickly. And it was one of those moments Teeny came down the stairs and said, hey, I just wrote this song about this girl, Kara, and can I sing it for you? And when you listen to the words of it, it's she may have thought she was writing about Kara, which clearly it was about Kara, but it's all about Christina. And so that song she sang as the last song at her celebration of life service. There were thousands of people there. There were hundreds that accepted Jesus that night at the end of the service. Um, and so those that spark in the dark blog that she wrote, we took that name and established like seven different um, scholarships. We've um, sent Young Life kids to uh, weekend um, mm-hmm. camps. We've sent them to summer camps. Um, we've sent over 140 students to the Passion City conferences. Yes. Um, we've um, established, um, and this is with the help of the community because the community, we would not still be standing if it weren't for this community. Oh my gosh. Um, and they have walked alongside of us, like I mentioned, the AKO girls. Um, they initiated me and my other daughter and my mom and um, Kayla's um, Kayla's mom, because Kayla was in the car and she was a Kayo and her mom. So we all went through the whole initiation process and became a Kayo sisters. And um, and those uh-huh. girls have been incredible. And um, we've walked with them and they've walked with us and they will be our daughters forever. Um, the, the 13 other girls. And, uh, so we've established an AKO scholarship. We've established a UGA forever endowed scholarship, um, that will be given to a rising junior, which is what Teeny was, um, in financial need, AKO girl. And if for some reason the Greek community went away, um, we said a, a girl in financial need, um, that's a rising junior. And, um, then we've, we've also sent kids to camp um, mission trips at Birmingham United Methodist Church. And so this, this um, my passion is the next generation. I, I've always been passionate about the next generation. I believe in them. I love being with them. Um, I was a confirmation mentor with middle school kids for eight years um, at Birmingham. But, you know, it, it's taking the pain of my life and going, God, I don't want to waste any of it. Please don't let me waste my pain. And, um, you know, he has just been faithful and good, and we miss our girl all the time. Um, That will never, ever change. But we are seeing beauty out of ashes. We are seeing lives changed forever. I've had the incredible privilege of getting to sit with girls over coffee and getting to write recs for upcoming, like I have 10 recs I wrote for upcoming freshmen that are at UGA and um, just getting to do with the passion conferences, getting to do life with Mm -hmm. with these um, young people that um, was opened up through this. And don't get me wrong, there are days that I'm just like, I can't do anything today. Um, I just can't. And and that's okay. You know, God sees that. God honors that. Um, And I'm not, you know, I never have felt like I have to do something 
because of performance or anything like that. It's like I have to do something because it's urgent, and I I know because I'm living it how urgent it is, and I can't encourage your audience more than it, your gifting matters. Whatever your gifting is, your gifting and your passion matters right. in in the kingdom of God. It matters here on earth, mm-hmm. and you know everybody has their gifting. And I and again, I, you know. I've just learned that the the most dangerous thing you can do is to look out of your lane and go, that gifting is better than my right. gifting, right. if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I, I heard it because we all want to ask why. It's human nature in our hearts to want to know, why God, why did this happen? And just recently, I can't remember where I heard it, but it's like we need to be, why will make you crazy if you, if you, if you hang on why yeah. it needs to be what yeah that's you know good. we need that's to good. we need to shift our heart to what because in his economy and his kingdom somehow someday we'll see yeah we we, we will have the answer to our yeah. why yeah so i think for me in um you know, watching you just mobilize <laughs> with clarity and with strength and with heart and with purpose and with passion. I mean, you found you found your what, and I think it's it's been your lifeline. Yeah, it has been my lifeline, and you know, I think that's so good. That's a simple way to put it, um, because it will make you crazy asking why. Because there's no good answer. No. There, there is no answer no. that would satisfy me right. or my husband or um teeny's brothers and sisters um sister um and i'm not god and you know do i believe god caused that accident no mm-hmm. i do not mm-hmm. but do i believe god can bring beauty out of ashes absolutely i've seen it over and over and over again and and the what what do you want me to do with this mm-hmm. god and he will give you the strength Somehow, somehow, some way, and it's not my strength because mm-hmm. nobody could do this as a human. Nobody could do this, and I am very cognizant of that. It's like this is not in my power; it's in His power. Our kids aren't exactly the same age, so I didn't, I didn't know Teeny, but I remember seeing the news reports that morning when it came out about the accident and just the picture of those five beautiful young women, and it just. You know, it it takes it takes a village, and when that happens to one family, it happens to us all because it it could be any of us. You That's know, right. so right. um, I I hope that you felt the prayers of of a community surrounding you, and I oh think that's goodness. the only way you I get am, through something. It is the only way, and I I mean, you know, I know you have different um, listeners in your audience, and you know just to speak into that as far as my faith goes and everybody's on their own journey at their own time. Mm -hmm. But I know that I would not be standing without my faith and without this community because we were never meant to do life alone. And we all have whatever that is. We all have our stories. We all have our brokenness. Mm -hmm. Nobody is immune to that. Mm -hmm. And you're never called to do that alone. Um, You're called to have other people walk alongside you. We're here to walk each other home, aren't we? Sure. Um, and, you know, this community has been incredible. This community went into total 
mobilization and and they're still praying and they know that I want them to still be praying because I need everybody's prayers and you know and I think you know sometimes we feel that all we have is prayer that's right but that is so much I mean don't ever discount the power of prayer and your ability even if you don't know how to pray you know just close your eyes and and God will lead you in praying for protection, for covering, for healing, whatever that is. And, you know, I think that, you know, as women, I think that we are more wired to be um, the giver, Mm -hmm. right? And, but we are supposed to be a giver and a receiver for a reason. And so, you know, I probably, I'm not probably, I'm definitely more wired to be the giver, but there are seasons in your life like this mm-hmm. that you have to put your hands open and you have to surrender and you have to say, I'm going to receive. Right. I'm going to receive and I'm going to let other people bring me meals. I'm going to let other people mm-hmm. come and hug me. I'm going to let other people do what I can't do right now. Right. And we're called to, to be both at different times in our lives. And, um, you know, these AKO girls just... Um, the blessing I've had to be able to pour into them and the blessing that um, they've had to be able to pour into me has been very equal. And um, and one of the other things with the spark in the dark, and it's been on my husband and my heart for the past um, two years, but we weren't really ready to think about how to do logistically all of that. But um, God clearly said to me, you know, spark in the dark, you do a 5K, and it's glow-in-the-dark wristbands, and it's, it's 6 <laughs> o'clock at night, it. and it's music, and it's um, it's in Athens. It's with all the, the college kids. They'll it's love that. It's a celebration. That. It's a celebration, and it's a great way to raise the funds that, you know, aren't, we don't have this, like, this donor out there that's dropping money in. Mm-hmm. We, but it's a great way for people to be a part of pouring into the next generation and having fun with it. So we had scheduled the first Spark in the Dark 5K in April. And then COVID 2020. hit, right? Yeah, Hello. then 2020 hit. And mm-hmm. um, and so we rescheduled it, and it's still on um, for September 27th. It's a Sunday evening at the UGA Golf Course. Mm-hmm. We um, already have 141 people registered, and we nice. haven't even started really promoting uh-huh. it big time Um but it's going to be super fun, and it's just incredible to watch. Like last night, we went to Athens and saw our son and his wife and um, stopped mm-hmm. over at the alumni cookie dough. I don't know if you know that place, but uh-uh. it's cookie dough scoops, okay? It's edible <laughs> cookie dough scoops. I'm just saying. it's And that <laughs> lady, yeah, it was amazing. And the owner last night, we ended up having a conversation. She's like, can I bring the big cookie dough bowl to have at the end of the race for all the kids. I'm like, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then Chick-fil-A is donated and, um, and a friend of Nick's is DJing for free. And so, um, my company's donated. Um, so it's just like people want to make a difference Yes, and you just need to let people want to do that. And everybody gets blessed by that. Hey friends, breaking in here to share an update about Teeny's race. Because of the ongoing COVID-19 situation, the Spark in the Dark race is now a virtual event. That means you can register and walk from anywhere in the U.S. or the world. There is still time to register and walk Sunday, September 27th, 2020. Visit the active.com website and search for Spark in the Dark 5K to register 
and donate. If you just go to active.com and type in Teeny Spark in the Dark, you'll be able to find it. So, yeah. Awesome. And I will also link that to the episode notes of this podcast so people can get to it directly. And I guess you're envisioning a a yearly Yes, we want to do it annually. And AKIO is actually um, partnering with us. Mm -hmm. And they just started their rush week this week. And they also are having their give back week this week. They're in the middle of renovating their house. And I went to them and said, look, we're doing this Spark in the Dark 5K. I would love to give a portion of the monies mm-hmm. towards the house. Um, so nice. so they, um, this yesterday was their first social media post um, telling about Teeny and Kayla. And um, they're going to have a post every day this week um, to be able to give back going to Teeny's link and um, a portion of the monies we raise will go to the scholarships and a portion will go towards the renovation of the house. So, um, yeah, that is, that is so, so amazing. So in a previous conversation, you were talking about the various stages of grief yeah, and how there's been a new one added. There has. If you can just kind of talk us through yeah. that. So I don't know if I really knew this and, and I'll say since I'm, I've lived living through it and still living through it is grief is definitely not a linear process. Mm -hmm. It's a roller coaster. And, you know, my experience has been, you can be in stage one if you want, and I don't even know what that is, a shock probably, because I I don't know what the the stages are, but um, you can go to stage three and then you can, you'll be right back at stage one. And then, you you know, it's like a roller coaster. That's the best. compartmentalized. Yeah, no, it is not. And, um, and, you know, and being gentle with yourself and that, and it's not something that you will go, okay, I'm done with that list. Check, 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 check. You're never done with it. And so I had done an interview with um, WebMD on grief, and I had not heard about the sixth one that had been added by David Kessler, who if you don't know him, he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And um, the sixth one, because he lost his son to suicide, so different um, circumstances, but is finding meaning. And that one resonates with me the most, you know, um, yes, I've been through all of them and I will continue to go through all of them, but, um, what the, what, Mm -hmm. what am I going to do with what I'm living in and living in the grief and what, what should I do with that grief? And again, it's not a performance thing. It's not a, I got to go do this or I'm not going to pass the test. Mm -hmm. It's, it's finding meaning in your pain and finding purpose in your pain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's different for everybody, you know, because everybody's story is different. But um, for me, that, that stage resonates the most. And maybe it's just because I'm, I'm sure it's a lot to do with the fact that our daughter lived her life on purpose and it was so easy to mm-hmm. find the what. And, and, and it was a perfect collision of my passion of the next generation, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just was. I don't know if that makes any sense. So, yeah. You know, you talked about being an evangelist for the next generation and how, you know, because of the platform you have now, how that's, how God's kind of elevated you and giving you voice and, well, and, and, and you know, to, to yeah. To, and it's, you know, from the rooftops. Um, that's right. And Passion City is the church we go to. And Louis preached about, you know, um, not wasting your pain. And I Mm. think about that all the time. It's like, because it's so urgent, um, and we're not promised X amount of days, we don't know what that looks Mm -hmm. like. 
it is, it's so imprinted on my heart how urgent that is. And because of my story of not really growing up going to church, mm-hmm. you know, I'll never forget, you know, when I was in my, we had um, antique shops in Alpharetta before 911. And, um, and that's how we found our church is a lady came in and said, Hey, do you have a church home? Mm-hmm. And the power of invitation. Sure. And did she know that that was going to change the trajectory of my family's life and generations to come? Mm-hmm. No, but she was obedient to trying mm-hmm. to find ways to have a conversation with somebody in a natural way, mm-hmm. in an authentic way. And then another lady came in the and next day. And she was using her gifts. That's right. Because not everybody is comfortable right. doing that's that. Right. And that's okay. Yep, that's right. And then um, another lady came in the next day, same conversation. Um, same thing, get a piece of paper. I'm going to draw a map to where this church is. Mm -hmm. That's exactly both ladies, two days in a row. And that's how we ended up there. The gifting that God had already put in my heart of evangelism, because I realized while I was sitting there in church in the early days, crying for the first two years, my husband and I sat in the pews and cried and (laughs) everybody to the point where they'd go, don't sit next to Kathy and Dave. All they do is cry. (laughs) Um, but I remember hearing so clearly, wait a minute, if you all knew who Jesus was, why didn't you share that with me until I was 42 years old? That's, that's really like yeah. convicting, right? And, and why the tears? The tears, we were just, my husband and I were just in a really broken place in our marriage. And, and it was just like a lot of um, stuff that we needed to process together as a couple. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was so kind to just come in and send these two ladies to our shop and send us to this little tiny chapel where people just loved us for who we were in all of our brokenness. Because I remember thinking, I can't sign up for a Disciple One class. I've never opened a Bible. Right. I'm scared. Nobody's go- Everybody's going to laugh at me, right? Mm-hmm. And those women just went, welcome. And, you know, by the end of that first year, they were like, get Kathy to pray. She's so good at praying. I'm like, what? Only God can do that kind of stuff, right? (laughs) So it it was just um, a really sweet, holy time. And even amidst very broken couple years for us Mm -hmm. as a couple. And and God's a great healer. He's a great, um, he's the one that takes, you know, ashes and makes them beautiful. and I'm, I always think about, you know, um, my pastor, Judy Wolf at the time, was talking about sharing your stories and, you know, and compared it to like a jar that was broken with, um, with lines glued back together. And she said, it's in the brokenness that when you, when you have all these broken pieces and you share them, that the light shines out of that jar. And if you're trying to be this perfect jar mm-hmm. and you have no cracks and you won't let anybody in, and you won't let yourself out, that you are not thriving like God meant you to thrive. You're not letting people into your story. And my experience has been when you share your story and you share your brokenness and your vulnerable, icky, crappy stuff, that people are like, whoa, I can share my story now because I'm not alone, right? And that's a beautiful thing. When you, I mean, I'll start crying, but when you have sat with somebody and you realize that um, it's a holy moment and you're sharing your story with somebody, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's opened up their door yes. to go, I'm going to share my story and get real here. Mm-hmm. What a healing, powerful moment that is. Right. You know, it's, it's, we were never, ever called to be this perfect, like, 
It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Oh my goodness. And I guess it's probably part of my age and probably everything else. But, you know, I am a perfectionist at heart and it's not real. And what freedom and surrender when you go, I don't have to be perfect. I am who I am. Every bit of yucky, messy, beautiful parts, but that's what makes me who I am. And that's really the heart of this podcast. It's It's like, let's let the walls down, let the light in, deal with our, our junk, whatever it is, and be there for each other, give faith a chance. That's right. You know, I just think a lot of people struggle, and they don't, they don't know that that's what's missing, that there have been a lot of churches and a lot of Christians that, you know, I haven't represented very well, but give it a chance, you know, if there's darkness, if there's brokenness, Find that small church. Find somebody you know that loves Jesus. Yeah. Have coffee and just say, "Hey, I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just wondering about this." Start, yeah. start the conversation. If you know somebody that's broken, be bold in starting the conversation. You know, just crack open that door right. a little bit. That's right. Um, because it can, it can change the trajectory, like you said, yeah. of your married life, your family's life. Yep. Um, all those sorority girls y'all are impacting, and uh, you know that's radiating out through UGA and the people that'll be at this race. I mean, that's well. And at Milton High School, where works. where Teeny and Nick went to school, um, we started a Spark in the Dark scholarship there, and it's been so awesome because that's the one scholarship where we actually link them to Teeny's blog, uh-huh. and we ask them the question: How have you been the Spark in the Dark in your world as you've grown up? And how do you intend to be that as you go into the next chapter of your journey? And we don't have the names mm-hmm. when we're given the answers mm-hmm. to their questions. Um, we just have a number. And we've this will be year four coming up in the spring um, of next year. But every year so far, my husband, my son, my uh, daughter, and I have all picked the same number. And mm-hmm. so that, you know... And it's do you also weep getting, or do you cheer oh, yes. when you when you read those? Essays? Yes, and it's you know it brings you so so much hope mm-hmm. because you know everybody's living in a really crazy world right now, sure. and everybody needs to know there's hope, yep. right? And these not, not just the next generation, but us as our generation, and what's going on in this world, and and bringing unity and hope and life to people's stories um versus the division and everything else that is that's just crawling all over the place right it is crazy and and so we can be a piece of that um by trying to unify people and just say you know if we all love each other that it would it would be okay don't be so quick to judge well and i found and i'm sure you have too that um when somebody is um, reacts in a harsh way or somebody um, says something and you, you bristle and you're like, I have found that for me that I go, okay, something's going on in that person's life that's really not good. Yes. Let me find the grace and the kindness mm. to see that with the eyes of God and to realize mm. that every person Preach. is going through something and we have no idea what right. they're going through. Right. And look at everyone. Again, my pastor said this when we first started going to the church. Look at everyone in the pews as if their heart is breaking. Oh. Because you don't know right. what somebody is walking through. You just don't. Mm-hmm. And so when we have the grace and the kindness and the love 
to look at everyone mm-hmm. as a child of God's, mm-hmm. it takes it takes that being meanness out yeah. of you. You know, right. it it removes it, and it, and you you act in a kind, loving way. Right. And you're not going to get that type of coaching and advice from the world. No. Right. No. Everything mainstream media. It's all about divisiveness and differences and darkness and that's why you have to be intentional that's right in connecting yourself with people that really believe in the, the power of good yeah there is so much good in the world there is. if you were to watch american news you wouldn't think that there is yeah. this is an amazing country filled with amazing people but you have to be intentional in protecting your heart and what you're taking in yeah <laughs> the people that you're around and if you're not in a good place you know it, Find, find your people somewhere because right. at some point, you know, we're, we're not meant to be alone. No, we aren't. And I think and the ch- for me, the church is best when the, you know, the doors are open, the arms are wide open, welcoming the most broken of those that's right. into the pews. That's, that's right. what Jesus wants. That's right. So don't think you can't do it because you don't know the prayers or the right. Just Absolutely. I'm the poster child for that. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, and, and don't get overwhelmed with, um, I'm not as far along my journey as that person is. Just that word intentionality is a, is a huge word that I've I've like leaned into because it does take intentionality in every aspect of walking um, on this earth. With and and it does take your community doesn't just drop in your lap. You have to be intentional mm-hmm. about trying to build that community. You have to be intentional about okay, well maybe I don't know as much in that if it's a Bible study or whatever, but I'm going to be brave and I'm going to go try it. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be brave and intentional with my story. I mean, mm-hmm. and everybody needs to do that in their own natural, authentic way. My way is not going to be someone else's mm-hmm. way and your way is not going to be someone else's way. And that's the beauty of us as humans is yeah. that all those pieces get melded together and it makes this beautiful tapestry of, um, I don't even know the right word, just this beautiful tapestry of of humanity that's walking this earth, you know? Um, so yeah. I, I know it's hard for, uh, people to support people who are grieving. Do you have any words of advice on how we can do that and do it well? Yeah. So yeah, I do. Um, never in a million years did I think I would be part of, um, uh, you know, a club that nobody wants to be a part of, you know, losing a child. And everybody has different, you know, grief stories. Um, some that are a child, some that are a parent. And nobody's, I would say nobody's grief is better than somebody else's grief. Everybody's grief is grief. And you can't fix them. Some of the worst things that were said were like, well, they're in a better place now. Well, yeah, they are but they're not with me, right? And so that's not helpful to say mm-hmm. to somebody they're in a better place. For me, I'm just saying yeah. for me, my experience. And people, especially women, I think, want to fix things and want mm-hmm. you to move on and be done with it. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not helpful to say you should be, um, you should be done with this because mm-hmm. you're never going to be mm-hmm. done with losing your child. It's not helpful to say, well, at least you have another child oh. um, because that child is not teeny. Of course, I am so blessed to have three other children, but they are not teeny. 
and it, it, that doesn't change, you know, that you might as well just, you know, I, and I've never said it, but it, you, part, you partly want to say, really, which child would you like to send to heaven? Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. so that's not helpful. Um, it's hard to sit with somebody in grief. That's the most helpful thing you could do, right? Just sit and hold their hand. Um, let that person talk about mm-hmm. their, their person. Don't get tired of listening to me talk about Teeny because I'll talk about her until I get to be with her for eternity. You know, really, and Jesus talks about it in the, in the Bible, you know, really sitting with somebody and just being there for them and not trying to fix things because you can't fix anything. And I know that's hard as a human because you, do, you don't like to see people hurting, sure. right? Nobody likes to see people hurting, but tears are good mm-hmm. and tears are healing. Right. And... and- Jesus, fully human and fully man, when his friend Lazarus died, he wept. Yeah, that's right. He knew he knew what it meant to love somebody and to to lose that person. Those two words are probably the two most powerful words in the Bible for me. Jesus Mm -hmm. wept, and and it's just like he knows he's weeping with me. He's weeping with my husband. Um, You know. He's weeping with all of us that have that walk through brokenness. And can I explain why we're in such a broken world? Absolutely not. I can't. But I do know that everybody's called to have a purpose in life. And Teeny was called to have a purpose in life. And do I wish that um, that her purpose was ninety years old? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Am I watching my nineteen-year-old girl? change the world and bring people to Jesus from heaven, which is upside down kingdom work. Mm-hmm. I am yes. because she lived her life on purpose. So, you know, as far as grief goes, my biggest advice was just be with that person and don't push them. I mean, you know, in the beginning days, especially that first year, you are in shock. I mean, you are in absolute shock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and people will say you're so strong. Well, you're just you're just trying to survive, right? Um, and, you know, don't don't think that you're the one that's going to fix anything because you're not. You're just not. You, you can ask the simple questions, what can I do for you? You can't bombard them. You can't, you know, you have to let them just be. I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know if I answered that very well. But, no, um, no, no. That was, I think that was very helpful advice. And I think, you know, some of us just don't say anything, which I think is bad too, you know, because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to make that person cry or whatever, but. Well, simple um, things like, like the Milton Love Project with the signs, you know, mm, the next morning we had all the signs up on our front yard, how they found us. I don't know, but that's what community does, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The simple things of sending sunflowers, those were Tini's favorite flowers, um, sending cards in the mail, leaving a text message, you know, I'm here, you know, I, I'm not ignoring you. I'm here if you want to talk. Um, meals were set up for us for like six months, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and again, back to the receiving, receiving that in love and not mm-hmm. saying, well, I got to do this all on my own, you know, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I know for, um, you know, working in the addiction and recovery field, sadly, I have known quite a few moms who are in that yeah. I think you're part of y'all are organized kind of a, as warrior moms 
moms who, who've lost a child. And um, it, for some moms, it's healing to talk about the child. You know, it keeps, it keeps their, their legacy alive. And, I mean, I just love that all you're doing in terms of the scholarships. And, um, and I know, do you listen to her music? Oh, all the time, yeah, yeah. I mean, such a gift to have her voice. And the month of the accident, she actually had um, my other daughter, Jessie's best friend, had gotten married that month, and she had asked, she grew up with Teeny too, and Jessie, and she'd asked Teeny to sing at her wedding. So unfortunately, there was no video of that, but Teeny sang at that wedding, and then one of her Young Life um, summer staff people in Colorado got married in April also, and actually the weekend before the accident, she had gone to Memphis and sang one of her original songs. And um, it just, so we have these beautiful, very recent wedding photos of Christina um, doing what God gifted her to do, um, which is amazing that um, those two weddings happened the month of the accident. Oh, and then we have the gift of the blog and of her music. So mm-hmm. yes, I listen to her music all the time. And actually be still and Kara you can get to and download on um on Spotify or Amazon or Prime or anything and any of those monies that are raised go to the scholarships too and you know that you know it's very little money that comes in there but um we just felt it was a platform for people to be able to download her songs and be able to and so all these kids have her songs on their playlists and I'll get screenshots in the car going look at which all my thousands of songs look be stills up and um, and actually, be still. I've had three different people want to play that song at funerals um, of their loved ones. Um, so you know, when you said about um, you just want to talk about your loved one as a mom, you can forget about who I am, but in your heart, you never want anybody to forget who Teeny is. Because, you know, she wasn't was, she still is. She is. Right? And so you don't ever want anybody to forget her life and mm-hmm. what she did in her life and what she's still doing from heaven in her life. I know. Yeah. It's really quite amazing. So what what would she think about her mom right now? And oh, gosh, she'd probably think, fierceness. Mom, really? I mean, <laughs> I, could you just go away? I mean, you know, Teeny was, like I said, very sassy. And um, and when you can get to her blog, too, you just type in uh, Stirring Heart is the name of her blog and Spark in the Darks and her last name, and you can read it. Um, and she's got an about her. She's written about herself. And then she's got uh, links to her playlist, which are both Christian and non-Christian songs. And um, But she would probably say, I don't know. Well, her her phrase, keep on keeping on, yeah. she might say that to me. Keep on keeping on, Mom. Um, you know, and part of her would be like, you know, you're in my business. You're in my friends. You're, what do you, why are you with best friends now with all of my AKO girls? But she would mean it in a very funny way. Um, I think she would say, keep on keeping on, Mom. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. That's really good. So one last question for you. The word relevate means to uplift or restore to good spirits. I love that. I love that. I just think your story is um, right in the crosshairs of, of what I hope this podcast would be. Well, I mean... People the- who would just, um, you know, suffer unimaginable 
heartache, but still find the strength and the faith and the courage to go on. My hope is, I mean, I love that you've started this podcast. I love that word. I mean, what a beautiful way to uplift people through people's stories. And, you know, in the very early days when I started getting asked to go share, you know, I shared at the Grove at Passion City um, only six months after the accident at their Christmas gathering. And, you know, I remember thinking, I don't know if I can do this, right? But I also clearly heard on the other side, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. You have to do this because people need hope. And the fact you've done this podcast to give hope to others is not anything to take lightly. It's a massive undertaking that the Lord has put on your heart, and you've been obedient to do that. And I love that. So that's my, I mean, it's part of my passion that through this platform, if we touch just one person through my story, then we've done what we were called to do. And it's not about numbers. It's not about numbers. Mm -mm. It's about touching somebody (laughs) and seizing the moment to do that. Spark in the dark. Spark in the dark. That's right. And stirring someone's heart. You don't know. You never know know where it's going to land. You don't know. You don't know. You never do know. And I just, I love the the intensity and the fire of of your girl. She was, she was everything, you know. And I, I feel that through the good work you're doing that I, that I know her. Yeah. And everybody says that it's Mm. this, this thing you can't really describe that God is doing in her story. And, um, and just as a funny other thing, you know, my, my husband is a school bus driver. He's been a Fulton County school bus driver. So, um, you know, I encouraged him in the early days. It's been 11 years now he's been doing it. And, um, he has some amazing stories of how he's being a spark in the dark, um, Mm. to these kids that see he's the first person they see in the morning and the last person that they see at the end of the day. And, you know, in the beginning days when, when Dave started doing it, he's like, I never thought I'd be doing this. And I'm like, don't take this lightly sure. because your calling is you're giving hope to somebody. You don't know what they've just walked out of their front door mm-hmm. from. And so, you know, Teeny and Nick would always go up because he does Milton High School in Northwestern and they would always run over to their dad and everybody (laughs) just thinks, you know, Mr. Dave is the best um, bus driver. But, you know, again, to reiterate what we're talking about, everybody's story matters and everybody's gifting matters and it doesn't matter where the Lord has put you. Trust that he's put you there for a reason. And this podcast is part of that. You know, he's put you and seared that on your heart Mm -hmm. and you're walking one step you know, little step each each step forward to 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 be obedient to that calling. Yeah, and I love the fact that you and your husband. It sounds like this tragedy has forged you closer together. It has, and you know, it's funny because um, there were some people that said to me very early on, you know, how are you guys doing? Because you're. <laughs> And they didn't mean anything by it, but they are like, um, didn't mean to say it as hurtful as it sounded to me. But um, it was like, you know, your statistics aren't good that you'll survive your marriage. And I'm like, I'll be damned (laughs) if I am going to do this journey by myself. And it has brought us closer. It has brought, it's been so hard, but we have each other. And it's brought this bonding that is very difficult to explain um, and Yes, it could have torn us apart, but it has brought us even closer together. 
And um, that that I'm so grateful for. So grateful for. Because you got yeah. that Jesus right in the middle of it yeah. all. Yeah. I, mean, I just yeah. don't know how you how you would do it otherwise. Yeah. Like I said, I was like, I am not doing this alone. Yeah. Kathy, it is such a pleasure to finally share this sacred space with you. And, Thank you so much um, for inviting me today. I love your, I love your girl. And um, for those of you that that know and love Kathy and the family, keep keep close, keep connected, keep being intentional about reaching out, sending those texts, yeah. um, because this is. You know, this is a lifelong journey. It is. Keep those prayers coming. It is. And I know it helps them, too, because their hearts are broken just to to have that connection with you. Yeah. So uh, when tragedy does strike, you know, let's just try to fill in some of that, that heartache right. with love. And, and that does, yeah. does help. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thank being you here. so much. It's been such an honor to be with you such this morning. Pleasure. Thank okay. you. Keep preaching, sister. Yeah. Keep shining. <laughs> There is so much that we can take away from this conversation with Kathy Simaria on the power of focus and purpose, on the power of community, on the power of faith, and how we can better love and support people who are grieving. The best part of the conversation for me is how Teeny's heartbeat and light continues to shine brightly Bring people to Jesus through her beautiful music and the stories that will be continued to be shared of our girl, Christina Teeny Simaria. With the permission and blessing of her mama, my friends, here is Teeny and her original song, Be Still.
Absolutely. Okay. Dear Lord, we are so thankful to be here on this day, the day that you made. None of this is a surprise to you. You knew this moment was going to happen. And um, we just thank you for bringing us together so we can share Teenie's story and Kathy and her family's story and With you in the middle, it's always a story of hope, and we just ask that you be here, and whoever needs to hear this conversation, that that you you just make sure that they tune in, and we just, we love you, and we are so very thankful for your son. In your name we pray, amen.